Now, making his way to the podcast studio all the way from Sacramento, California, he eats, sleeps, and breathes pro wrestling. He is the best self-proclaimed pro wrestling analyst in the world. Wrestling is still real to him, and he is here to keep good wrestling alive. He is the host of Snug Wrestling Podcast, the one, the only, Edgar Avila. What's up? What's up? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back again to Snug Wrestling. I am your host, Edgar. Hope everyone is doing great today. Thank you guys for tuning in wherever you are. Whenever you're listening to this, I'd like to give a quick shout out to some listeners here, specifically Belgium, Brussels. Thank you guys for listening. You guys have been tuning in a lot, and I appreciate you. And to all my Spanish-speaking countries who've also been listening, muchas, muchas gracias a todos ustedes, saludos para todos en España, Venezuela, Ecuador, Colombia, Chile y México. Be sure to hit me up at Snug Wrestling on all my socials, like, follow, subscribe, and don't forget to share. A lot of stuff to cover today, a lot of crazy stuff. There's been word going around and there's been talk about something called a bullet train match. Have you guys heard about this shit? I'm sure you have. Minoru Suzuki, this is the guy that wrestled Darby Allen at collision last week and he was the surprise opponent of Darby Allen. He's going to be fighting in an actual bullet train. This train is going to be traveling from Tokyo to Nagoya and Minero is going to be facing someone called Sanshiro Tagaji in a false count anywhere match. So I've seen matches in boiler rooms. I've seen matches in grocery stores, but I've never heard of a bullet train before or having a wrestling match or a fight for a wrestling show and a bullet train but apparently that is a thing and it's gonna go down September 18th and speaking of AEW Rob Van Dam there's been talks that he was gonna show up at the Wembley and potentially face Jungle Boy and the rumors are somewhat true we'll get into that more later on in the show because RVD actually made an appearance on Dynamite instead and another thing that was announced on Dynamite was that the Elite all of the members of the Elite they all all sign new long-term contract extensions for four years with AEW. It was also reported that they receive pay increases, all of them, and the Young Bucks are still going to be the EVPs. Must be nice to be in the Elite. But now that we got all that out of the way, back to business now, AEW Dynamite. This is episode number 200, and they've made it this far. It's been quite some time, and it doesn't even feel like it's been that long since AEW first started that's how fast time flies sometimes folks and for good measure to start off this episode 200 of dynamite in celebration it starts off with one of the originals one of the starters of all of this and that's chris jericho chris jericho's teamed up with Takeshka, and he faced his old faction members his current faction members what are they are they not i don't know daniel garcia and sammy guevara and i say i don't know because before we get into this match let's get this straight 
let's get down to the nitty gritty of this on why this is even happening right now. So Chris Jericho, he's been getting scouted by Don Callis to join Don Callis's family, to join his faction with Takeshka. Jericho is stuck in the middle between Don Callis and his own faction, the JAS, and Jericho's faction members from the JAS, one by one, have kind of been expressing their frustration with Jericho because Jericho is actually considering joining Don Callis. And every time Chris Jericho gets confronted by one of his faction members, he seems upset. He seems like he's stuck in the middle. And every time one of Chris Jericho's faction members goes up to him to express their frustration, Chris Jericho seems upset about it. Like he's stressed out about it. But now he's wrestling against his own faction members and he's teaming up with Takeshka who works for Don Callis. So Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara, they're working well together now. But what happened with Sammy's story of him trying to be babyface? Now let's backtrack here a little bit. Stay with me. After the Four Pillars match with Sammy, Darby, Jungle Boy, and MJF, the four-way for the heavyweight championship, there was a tease there that Sammy Guevara was going to turn babyface. They even did this whole announcement that Sammy Guevara is going to be a father to try to babyface him even more. Every time Sammy Guevara come out, he would come out and he would look also stuck in between, do I want to work with my faction members who are heels and just giving Daniel Garcia these looks like, I don't want to be a part of this type thing. And there was even some tease that maybe Sammy was going to turn babyface by going against Chris Jericho, but they ended up teaming up together instead. So is Sammy a babyface now? Is Daniel Garcia a babyface now too? What is going on here? This whole thing is so convoluted. And I even wrote a little note here that said AW should be called ACW, all convoluted wrestling, because to me, this is what this storyline is. Garcia had Chris Jericho in a Boston Crab. Callis saved Chris Jericho by hitting Garcia with a bat. Chris Jericho seems pissed off about what Don Callis did, but Chris Jericho still goes for the pin and covers Garcia 1-2-3, giving Jericho and Takeshka the win. Shivani and the man in the mask say, well, looks like Chris Jericho has chosen the Callis family. So I'm guessing that Chris Jericho is going to join Don Callis now? I don't know. You tell me, people, because I have no idea what's going on here. Tony Khan, he has another announcement. And these are really entertaining because Tony Khan just looks so funny during these videos. He's just staring at the screen with the most blank stare ever, eyes wide open, and just trying to stay still, not moving. And he's just reading along whatever's on the screen there. And it just looks really awkward and funny. And he announces episode 200 for AEW. And they show a highlight reel video package of a bunch of clips from before, from the early days of AEW. So it was a nice video package, a nice little trip down memory lane. Jericho had an interview, but before he can get a word in, he gets interrupted by one of his faction members, Daddy Magic, the guy that talks like this, the sports entertainer. And he demands a JAS mandatory meeting next week. Jungle Jack Perry, he comes out with Tony Schiavone. The man of the mask tells Taz, it must have been hard for you to hear what Jack Perry said last week and try to make it sound really serious and dramatic, the situation with Jungle Boy. But last week, Taz was laughing at what Jungle Boy had said when Jungle Boy was trying to talk about the FTW champions and how everyone in ECW was weak or whatever he said, which was comical because no one believes that. Not even Taz himself, but now they're 
trying to make that into something serious. Jerry Lynn last week, he came out to defend the ECW honor. Jungle Boy challenged Jerry Lynn. So this is what we're expecting to see. We're expecting to see Jerry Lynn versus Jungle Boy on this episode of Dynamite. But Jerry Lynn comes out and he explains every reason why he is not going to wrestle Jack Perry. But instead, he knows somebody from ECW who still wrestles, who can wrestle for Jerry Lynn. And it's Rob Van Dam. The rumors on the internet were saying that Rob Van Dam is most likely going to be showing up at the Wembley. But instead, he showed up here on Dynamite. Rob Van Dam goes in the ring. Jungle Boy leaves the ring, so there's no match. So it's looking like this match is going to go down at the Wembley. Rob Van Dam ends up turning his back, and Jungle Boy tries to attack Rob Van Dam with the chair, but misses. RVD goes for a spinning kick and also misses, but at least Rob Van Dam, he can still jump. And we have Penta versus Mox versus Trent in a no disqualification triple threat match. We have a gimmick on a gimmick match. And not too far after the match started, John Moxley brought out the barbed wire two by fours and they're giving each other pile drivers on the barbed wire. There's tables. Mox and Trent go through the table, but it's okay because 30 seconds later, they're both back up fighting again. Penta does a Canadian destroyer on a table. Mox gets a bag under the ring. Excalibur says, what can that be? That can be just about anything. And I'm like, no, Excalibur. We all know it can only be one or two things. Thumbtacks or glass because it's John Moxley. And these guys, they're rolling around all over the thumbtacks, doing all kinds of moves to each other. And Trent ends up getting the win of all people. After the match, Mox attacks Trent. So there's an afterbirth here. Orange Cassidy comes out. Wheeler Yuta and Claudio, they also come out. And after the afterbirth, the best friends challenge the Blackpool Combat Club to a parking lot brawl. So this triple threat no DQ match was just the setup for the parking lot brawl that's supposed to be taking place at Rampage if I'm not mistaken. But if I'm being honest, I don't even think that's the main thing that they're trying to do here with all of this craziness that they're doing. I think everything here is going to lead up to Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. I truly believe that John Moxley is going to be the one to dethrone Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic Championship. But since they're doing all of these crazy matches now, it just makes me wonder what type of match Orange Cassidy and John Moxley are going to have to have if it does come down to that. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's not going to be pretty. Rob Van Dam, he has an interview and he challenged Jungle Jerk to a match next week for the FTW Championship. Rob Van Dam also stated that he has a history of elevating wrestling belts and retiring them. So maybe this is AEW's way of trying to retire this FTW belt and just put it in the back burner. One of the AEW champions, MJF, is he the real champion or is CM Punk the real champion? I don't know, but MJF is definitely a champion and he comes out to his own music with no Adam Cole. And MJF looks genuinely happy. MJF does the biggest babyface promo I have ever seen him do the whole entire time he's been in AEW. And MJF explains that he has ADD and because of that he was bullied, he was treated like shit and and that's the reason why he's been such an asshole to everyone. That's the reason why he turns on everyone but not anymore. MJF is a changed man and now he's a full-blown babyface. And I'm thinking Adam Cole is gonna have to be the one to turn here. If a turn really does happen, it's not MJF, it has to be Adam Cole. MJF asked Adam Cole to come out there and how MJF likes to put it. Adam Cole came out and gave MJF verbal 
fellatio, but that's not the reason why MJF asked Adam Cole to come out. The reason was that MJF is going to give Adam Cole a shot at his triple B at the Wembley. And Roderick Strong was in the back destroying shit and he did not seem too happy. I don't understand why Roderick Strong is so pissed off about this. Roderick Strong doesn't trust MJF because he's a scumbag, because he's the devil, because he's betrayed everyone and nobody should trust MJF. So I understand that. But shouldn't Roderick Strong be happy that his boy Adam Cole has a shot at the world championship at the Wembley and can potentially become the AEW champion? So a lot of holes here in this story. It looks like we're going to get Adam Cole versus MJF in the main event at the Wembley. But where does that leave Punk? Punk should also be at the Wembley. Is he going to defend his title at the Wembley as well? I guess we'll find out. The Elite, they have a match and they have a match versus Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh. The Elite, they ended up getting the win here because the Hardys came out, Adam Page came out to help the Elite and they got the W. And also Brandon Cutler was out there. So the Elite had one, two, four guys help them win this match versus three guys and Jeff Jarrett's wife. Then later on, the Elite announced that they have resigned with AEW because like no one already knew that. Everyone saw that on the internet already, but the Elite confirmed it because they think that that's something very important that the fans were just dying to know for some reason. AR Fox and Swerve, they have a promo and they show a clip of them jumping Nick Wayne at his house and also Nick Wayne's friends. They're trying to send Darby Allen a message, but it was actually a phone call, but they leave Nick Wayne in a pool of fake juice after smacking Nick Wayne with a picture frame. I'm predicting we're going to be seeing AR Fox and Swerve versus Darby Allen and Nick Wayne in the near future. Aussie Open versus Hijo del Vikingo and Commander. This was going to be one of those high-flying, high-paced, 100-mile-an-hour match. Commander was going to do his running spot on the top rope. And this is for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. The Aussie guys ended up winning this match. This was a very, very, very cold match. And it was for a different company. That's not AEW, so eh. And the main event was Sheeta versus Tony Storm. They go for like 15 minutes and they even go over the showtime. The Outcasts, they end up throwing the kendo stick in the ring and Sheeta uses it on Soho and Soraya, taking them out of the match, but doesn't use it on Tony Storm because she doesn't want to get disqualified. The referee turns his back to get the kendo stick and throw it out the ring and Tony Storm spray paints Sheeta in the face and Sheeta pinned Tony Storm and became the new AEW Women's Champion. That I was not expecting. To me, Tony Storm, she's one of the best workers in AEW when it comes to the women's division and I was expecting Tony Storm to be champion for a really long time but the belt gets put on Hikaru Sheeta now who has been champion before and is one of the AEW originals. So that was a swerve, bro. I don't think anyone expected that. So we get a new AEW Women's Champion on the show. We get a hardcore match with tables, barbed wire, and all kinds of shit. Chris Jericho, he's not sure if he's going to go with Callis or the JAS, or did he already pick? According to the announcers, he already did. I'm trying here. I'm trying to understand half of the stuff that's going on here, but they're not making it too easy, but it's all right. Let me know what you guys think. Hit me up at Snug Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk soon.